you never knew. That was his power. Was his power. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Back now and here we go again. Spread the words, we the shorty tell a friend. The game changed, but I'm here to break a 10. Them boys play, but I'm here to make amends. Real talk. Real talk. Welcome to the Relatively Speaking Podcast. You are listening to episode number 132, being recorded on Thursday, March 29th. I am your host, Jared Mintz, and this is a pretty bittersweet episode that I'm recording. You may have noticed I haven't done a show in a while. It wasn't for anything bad. I was away celebrating my one-year anniversary with my wife, and then I was moving after that. Yes, it took me a month to move and to do all that. And now I am back, and to the aforementioned bittersweet, I'm back probably for the last time. A little bit of news, if you don't follow me on Twitter, or you don't listen to my other podcast, the Off the Wall podcast with Joseph Nardone, who's a sexy guy, um, FanRag Sports is letting go of the big J-Mints. In all seriousness, FanRag is cutting a lot of its basketball writers, and unfortunately, I am one of them. I am one of many, many talented people who are much more talented than me who are losing this great platform. I only have the best things to say about FanRag, which I'll get into shortly. Uh, But this is it. This is the last Relatively Speaking podcast that's being recorded, at least on FanRag. Not sure if I'm going to take it to another network. I have the option for now. I think this might be it. There's only one person who I wanted to record the show with. Actually, that's a lie. I kind of wanted to do like a whole mashup show with a lot of people, but it didn't feel right. It only felt right to do the show with one person. Obviously, you know who it is. You read who it is before you click play on this episode. That's Joseph Nardone. Joe, welcome to the podcast. How does it feel to be back again? Blood in, blood out, baby. We started this this together and we're going to let it die together. I mean, I know in your head you have uh, the song from The le- the Leftovers. Uh, what, what's it called? What's in my mind? Yeah, what's in my mind? What's in my mind, which honestly, I got really sad when you produced that for our last episode together, even though you came back already as a guest since then. <laughs> um, that's what's in your head. In my head is that dumb Wiz Khalifa, When I See You Again song, which they played for Roy Halladay today at the Blue Jays game, which was really weird. Not not to make like a sad, nice thing. I don't know how you describe that into a weird thing. It just kind of felt a little cheesy, but... This is our last ride, at least doing this. We, again, record another weekly podcast for the Knicks Wall, which I hope all of you listen to. And if you don't, you'll start listening to. But, um, yeah, this this is it. I just I hadn't done a show in a while. And obviously, my, my shows that I had been doing without Joe had been really NBA heavy, especially during this NBA season. I mean, I did a fantasy football preview episode. I did a couple of NFL episodes. Joe and I talked baseball and hockey in the last episode that we did, but I I really enjoyed using this platform for myself to talk about the NBA with some of my favorite writers, some of my favorite Twitter people. Um, And at this point, you know, it just didn't feel right to to force an NBA show. I really wanted to catch up with Brian Toporek to do a Sixers show. We just didn't get to do it. But um, this this just leaves me more opportunities to get great guests on the Knicks the Knicks Wall channel, the Off the Wall podcast that we do, but um, it just felt right for this last show that I'm going to do, to do it with Joe, to talk about the show, to talk about the writing industry, because listen, you know, it's it's strange. Joe Joe got let go by FanRag at the end of August 2017 after being a columnist, a full-time columnist for them, um, and an editor for them. He was let go because of the changes in the industry, 
they're letting go of their NBA department for the most part. I mean, Jason Pat, who's just been an all-star editor for FanRag Sports for the last couple of years, for as long as I've been on board and longer, Matt Zemick, who's been a great editor for a lot of their departments. It's not just NBA that's getting cut. It's a lot of the writers that are getting cut there. Um, and Joe, you and I, it's funny, when we started this podcast, of course, we were gas bags talking about sports, but we quickly decided that we wanted to use our platform to talk about writing because, look, we both started this podcast in our early 30s. We both started writing in our late teens, early 20s. We've been around for a while, and the industry is kind of fascinating. And this is another move that's, you know, relatively fascinating and has an impact on both of us. You rebounded. You wound up getting another full-time writing gig with Cox Media. <laughs> that didn't last as long as I would have liked for it to have. But I mean, you've kind of been—you've been rummaging around the industry. I have my full-time job outside of this that I don't necessarily need the writing. I kind of like to do it for fun, and I like to keep the dream alive that maybe one day I can be a superstar writer, radio host. Still waiting for that to happen. It can't happen unless you do it. But I mean, Joe, you, you've been beating around a little bit. Now you're back. What did you think when you heard, you know, the news that FanRag was making these cuts, not in a personal way towards FanRag, but really about the industry in general? Yeah, I mean, it's easy to, because it's not just FanRag, obviously. Like like you mentioned, I got laid off from Cox Media after they hired me two months into it. Um, Sports Illustrated is apparently going to be doing layoffs shortly. ESPN had that historic layoff last year. Uh, it's industry-wide. Um, but using our specific situation i think for you and i it was it's weird because our journey to get to a spot where we felt happy at which was fan rag um where under tommy stokey's vision uh, who was laid off when i was laid off in august it wasn't about chasing clicks necessarily as much it was about hey let's do really good content the readers will come here um and we had a really great mix of for the nba i speak more from the college basketball side um, though I help Jason when possible with the NBA stuff, he usually assign me like the Teddy Ruxpin of Doom brackets. But um, that's because you wanted to do them. <laughs> that, this is true. Jason knew I liked writing really weird stuff NBA wise. But the and I can't I can't speak to the football sections of FanRag, but I know for the NBA and the college basketball stuff, we had great mixes of journalism, guys that did advanced stats work, which was great. Um, I know you're gonna want to shout out guys later, but like Kelly. Kelly Scaletta and uh, Nikias Duncan were just stars. I, th- you know how I feel. You're, I know you're my friend, and it feels like I'm only saying it because you're my friend. But I think you're a tremendous writer. Um, and I thought my college basketball team there for two years did as good of a job as any <coughs> national college basketball outlet in the country. And I really mean that. We had, we sent both years I was there. We sent multiple guys to the Final Four. We had plenty of long form features. We were getting interviews with the country's biggest coaches. We had John Rothstein as a reporter. And it didn't work for a variety of reasons. And one of a, one of it's just reader habit. You know what I mean? They're going to just go to ESPN or CBS. And the other is because it's the, the industry, not FanRag specifically, has yet to figure out a way to monetize um, written content. But for you and I, I, and I, I don't want to speak too much for you specifically, but you and I, our journey kind of started at the same place. We kind of traveled together in a pack everywhere we went. Um, I'll even, like, we started at Rant Sports. We went to Fansite it. Then we ended up going to what is now the comeback. And then we're at, we went to Fanrag Sports all together. Do you know what I mean? And 
I was super happy at FanRide Sports, and I really, that was the first place where I agreed 100% with the vision. And when I got laid off in August, it was legit, professional-wise, easily the saddest day of my life. Do you know what I mean? And when you got laid off, when I heard the, when I, I knew the layoffs was coming, and then it just seemed like it was everything but the NBA, I was like, oh, at least Jared's going to make it. And then um, Matt Zemek told me he was getting laid off, and Matt's a friend, so that hurt. And then you told me, and... I mean, it's crushing. It's not just because it's not. It sucks for the industry. It hurts because it, you love the industry, but it also sucks when your friends are getting hurt. Yeah, it does. And I mean that that's a really great point, and that's kind of what propelled me into this place where instead of doing a couple of podcasts really talking about the NBA, I wanted to use this platform to talk instead about the industry, our experiences, where we're at. And look, I don't like doing this in the sense of. It feels like I'm self-indulging myself and making myself feel more important than I necessarily am. What you said, the last thing you just said before you know you turned the mic back to me was how it was crushing to see this happen to your friends and people you're close with and talented people. And that's ultimately what really upset me more than finding out like, hey, you're not going to be writing for this place that you're very happy writing for was knowing that the people who are really still trying to make a go of this, and look, I'm not trying to shortchange myself here. Again, I, I have job security in the nine to five. That means a lot to me. I have great purpose in it. I have a career doing that. You know, this has always been fun. This is the childhood dream. Well, childhood in the sense of I'm not going to be an NBA player, so what can I do to stay involved <laughs> in sports? You know, you're getting paid to cover sports still. And, you know, I'll talk a little bit more about my past shortly, but seeing some of the people who I know have greater ambitions doing this and who this meant more to than it meant to me lose this just because, hey, this is the direction the industry is going and FanRag needs to you know reinvent itself, which means you guys need to reinvent yourselves and figure out something else to do or you know just find a new home to write. That's kind of what upset me the most. And look, I'm, I'm not going to use this opportunity to bash FanRag at all. I really do wish them well. I hope that they continue to grow. But at the same time, it's it's disheartening to see the credibility built, and this kind of goes to what you were touching on, by all these great writers who help garner attention to, to this website, to this platform, who, you know, grew as names. And look, it's twofold. Nikias grew as a writer and became more popular because of the FanRag platform, but also brought more people into FanRag sports. To use Nikias as an example, who I had on the podcast a couple months ago to help me preview the NBA season, it's just it's sad to see a lot of people who had those feelings that we had about being comfortable here, this being the best writing experience that we've had, and then for that to kind of go away and for them to say, well, now I guess I have to start from scratch. And, you know, it goes back to, to you also, who you and I obviously were, were really good friends outside of the podcast and what we do, and we're constantly talking about, you know, job status and industry status. And when you tell me you lose your position, it hurts me a lot more than me finding out that I lost this because, again... I know this means more to you. This puts food on your table. And this this is this is that for so many people. And I guess it kind of just takes me back to, to, you know, you said that we started at the same place. We did in this internet writing thing. Yeah. But I just think about how journalism is and how writing is kind of being phased out. And it's been phased out. Like, it's not to say, 2018, what's happening to writing? <laughs> you know, this is kind of the feeling of, like, the zombie apocalypse. And you're seeing zombies get all around the country and like, oh, wow, they just wiped out Missouri. I hope they don't get to New York sometime soon. And finally, you know, kind of like the, yeah, we're cutting writers caught up to me. You know what I mean? Like in a sense of where 
I don't, I didn't write enough. I didn't feel like my job was, you know, was, was in danger because they don't pay me enough. I don't do enough. I'm not meaningful enough. I kind of can just fly under the radar. Um, and now, no, they got rid of all of the people who did do a lot of writing and did do a lot of work and did help build the brand. And it just, it, it sucks to see that happen. And at the same time, it's not just fan rag. So this isn't me railing on fan rag. It sucked to see it happen at ESPN. It sucked to see the cuts being made uh, by Vox who cut, you know, all of, right? Is, is it Vox who has uh, SB Nation and Deadspin and all those other sites um, to see all those good writers get cut? Like, it's just, even a few years ago when we saw this happen at Sports on Earth, I feel like that was the first site that had, like, all these credible writers who you're like, oh, wow, they have to go find a new home now because written content just isn't that strong. And we felt like we had this great thing at FanRag where it's like, no, they cherish the writers and they cherish the written content. And over the last couple months, They've transitioned more into podcasts. They picked up the Locked On Network, and they're transitioning more into video. And writing is kind of a thing of the past. And, I mean, look, you're, you're still trying to get out there as a writer. You're still trying to make this a full-time thing. Obviously, we talk a little bit about how, you know, we're not sure that writing is the thing for us. It's not the best place to be putting our efforts. How do you feel as a writer when you see these cuts happening selfishly? Um, well, it's it's twofold. One is... I do. I, I I have to remind myself to be grateful that I did get to do it f- uh, full time for a couple years. You know what I mean? Where I don't know if the generation after us, like the Nikias Duncans of the world, who are super, who's way more talented of a writer than I I am now. Like, he, and he's so young. Sorry, Nikias, that you're our go-to today. Well, I'm, listen, like we both think highly of him. Do you know what I mean? And he's young. Where, and I know this is his goals to do this. And he's already more talented of a writer than I ever was or could be. And I just don't know if the industry will allow him to flourish because of the way so many things are happening where writing's devalued. And, I mean, that's many reasons. It's not just the monetizing reason. It's some people like to write for free. There's so many voices. Um, it's hard to tell which ones are good, like, for a casual reader, why you should read a Jared Mintz or Joe Nardone as opposed to somebody else. Um... So I am grateful that I got to do it. I am. like The last big story I did might have been my best story ever, which was on the HBL, HBCUs, and the NCAA. If I go out on that note, I'm kind of okay with it. Um, not like happily, you know what I mean? Um, I wanted to do this for my whole life. I wanted to die being a sports writer. Um, but I, it also selfishly, it kind of like I'm older now. I turn 35 tomorrow. Yeah, you do. That's why I asked you to come on the podcast so I could sing happy birthday yeah. to you. Um, so, like, it, for the cl- now, Jared kind of hinted at it about where we're going to focus our efforts moving forward. But for me, uh, for, like, I don't know, clarity, today I went on a out-of-industry job interview. I think the, for me, I'm not going to say, like, if I got an email tomorrow from a normal network saying they want to hire me, I'd say no. <laughs> I'm I'm done actively um, hunting this game, and it sucks because I had the conversation with my wife last night, and she's like, you sure you really want to do this? And I'm like, well, listen, we have kids. I have to be, like, my dreams are really their dreams now at this point, and it's irresponsible as me as an adult to keep chasing, not which is now not guaranteed money through the freelance market, and... Generally, when you're chasing money, money freelancing, your quality of work will diminish because you have to do so much of it to survive. And I'm not 
I mean, you know me well enough to know that I've quit places out of principle. Uh, so I'm not willing to stay in this game if it's going to cost me the quality of my work. I'd rather go out, I don't know, with some level of dignity. No, and look, you've definitely earned it. You've had enough larger features and credible articles that you've written. I mean, you've built relationships with coaches. You, This is what I'm talking about when it makes me sad to see how down this gets my friends and people who I care about who are so good at this is this is an industry that kind of beats you down. And I hate that we're going to do an episode where it kind of comes across as saying, no, don't write, don't write. Do yeah, but that's not else. what we're saying. Chase your dreams. No, but no, but I kind of think that, and I'm not, I'm not complaining that this is how we're feeling. This is our experience. We've both kind of been beaten down, and I think that we're both relatively talented writers. It's just kind of to a point where in reinventing yourself and being open-minded and always keeping your eye on what's next is just, it, these are crucial traits to have if you want to succeed in this industry. I mean, I was starting to talk a little bit about my backstory before I was going to college in the mid-2000s. When I was graduating from college, it became very apparent that newspapers were dying. And look, maybe I wasn't all that bright. Maybe I should have realized prior <laughs> to 2006, 2007 that the end is near for these websites. But this is when like blogs and Twitter really started to take off, was around the late 2000s, just as I was graduating, as I was transitioning. And I mean, even even before I was like, all right, writing, it's going to be all writing. I mean, I, I interned at ESPN. I worked in their production research department which meant I was handing like cool stats and factoids to anchors to say while they're on TV, keeping track of stats for them. I mean, it's just even that, like I was busting my ass, working really late hours, giving up weekends my senior year of college, doing everything I could to try to get into this industry. And I just feel like every turn I've made, I've come into you know some kind of stop. And I don't think it's just unique for me or unique for you. I want to say there's a very low success rate for people who are trying to get into this industry and really make a go of it. And look, part of that is your resiliency. Part of that is your attitude. Part of that is, you know, just how you deal with success, how you deal with failure. I'm not saying any of this to discourage people, but it's just such a hard industry to make it in. And for me, that's kind of where I got into a comfort zone with FanRag was this is all on the side. I can write when I feel like writing. I have a great editor. I have great writers with me who bring me up, who bring more, you know, more eyes onto the pieces that I write that aren't as good as the things that they're writing. And I'm at a point like you where I kind of just feel not necessarily beaten up, but what am I doing here? It, it's Michael Sarah in Superbad where he's playing the video <laughs> game and he dies and he's like, why, why do I even do this? Why, why am I playing this game anymore? Um, you know, with that said, like right now I feel beaten down and that's just because I lost a really good opportunity that I had. I don't want to say that I'm done writing, but like I've really been considering for the last couple of days firing up my blog spot and doing a the game doesn't love you. Give it up, Jared. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I'm grateful for, for this experience. I'm grateful that we were given this podcast. You said it the other day that the podcast was created for you, which ultimately I guess it was, and you picked me to be your, your co-host slash showrunner slash... And I used to make it sound like I said like I was being a dick when I was... No, you were being a dick. I'm never going to forget that. Um, I was on a separate podcast completely. 
no but we we talk about we talk about um you know kind of how we started the show and we used to joke about getting canceled we joke about getting canceled look this is episode 132 i'm grateful for the last i've been out of college for 11 years now i'm grateful for the last 11 years of my life and what i've been able to do with sports media i'm grateful that we've been able to do this podcast that i did 23 episodes without you this is my lebron james episode my michael jordan episode as joe pointed out before we started recording I mean, it's kind of a count your blessings thing. The fact that, and I say this all the time about my work at ESPN, that I was able to sit there with a baseball scorecard watching games and keeping keeping like a, a score, you know what I mean? Like scoring a baseball game on a sheet that I got paid real money to do that. And even though it didn't turn out to be a career for me, like any, any opportunity you have where you're doing work that's like, wow, this is fun work. I would be doing this for fun. It's worth it. It's worth the time. I don't have regrets about anything at this point. I just, damn, it's so hard and it beats you down and I don't know that I have it left in me anymore. Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. It's, I think it would be easier if we both hated being at FanRag Sports. Do you know what I mean? Like, if it was this awful place. Except it was the best place. It really was. And for me, like, it's, I fell into, like, and like you said, like, I, it's hard to do this without making it sound like we're being too self-involved. But, like, when I... I originally wanted to be a fiction writer, and uh, my neighbor, my friend of 18 years, Jack Jorgensen, who's now at CBS, we started a blog together, and off that shitty blog, I started getting offered paid writing jobs to talk about, to write about sports, and it was all bad for a few years, until we, I ran into a guy named Matt Zemek, who was like, hey, like you're really talented, you just need to get your stuff in order, here's where you're not doing your you know like here's how you could get better and it changed my career i went from any other low-level blogger to like an average writer and i'm not saying that to downplay however good or bad a writer i am but like i was objectively awful um if you ever go back and find some of my older work but it's it's such a long journey and we're older and we have more responsibilities now and the whole I've, I'm not going to use the person's name, but I've had this conversation with a prominent writer where I was he was asking me what I think I was going to do next, and I said, I think I'm going to leave the writing industry. I'm still I'm very passionate about our podcast together. I love doing radio hits. Um, I, think, I think our podcast, like this is very serious in tone, but I think our general feel of our podcasts are fun and great, and they're light, and I think they're different than most other podcasts that are droning sports talk. I still have a lot of passion for that. Um, but for the writing, as I told this other writer, I'm like, I don't think I could do this anymore. And he's like, well, no, you have all this talent. You just need to do this. This is where the, the industry is going writing-wise. And I'm like, I'm 35 years old. I'm going to be 35 years old. I don't think I could reinvent myself again. And, I, and it's just, I don't know if I want to. I covered a sport, a college basketball, which was archaic as it already was in how it was covered with a lack of numbers, very narrative-driven. So for me, how I approached it was, well, if everybody's just going to do hot takes, I'll do my hot takes, which weren't really all that hot. It was mostly, I hope everybody's okay. And <laughs> I'll, I'll, use, I'll, I'll use features. I'll start making relationships with coaches. I'll start telling stories to go along with those to separate myself from other college basketball writers. While I never became a huge brand, um, and there, were, there are plenty of better college basketball writers than I was, uh, I, th I feel like I did at least get to accomplish becoming a writer. And then 
a writer of some value and some credibility and if this is it for me like i like i gotta keep reminding myself to be grateful instead of being regretful instead of being hurt that yeah i got to do it like not like see i I feel like it should be the same way for you is where you dream after you realize like a six foot kid from wilkesburg is not going to play in the nba um as a center in your next goal is to, is to be a writer, or be a writer, and have people read your work, and we got to do that. And most people don't get to live their dream, even if it was brief. Do you know what I mean? And that's what I have to keep reminding myself as it starts to dawn on me that you know zombies around the corner ready to eat my brain. <laughs> right, and that's kind of the tough part is you know you think about the success that you did have, and look. We did a podcast where whether it was both of us or whether it was me after you or even you before me, you know, like we spoke with prominent writers. We spoke with an NBA player. We had, you know, like we built these relationships because we're not like just another number who writes an article and hopes to get enough clicks on it that they can make three dollars and thirty five cents from what they wrote. (laughs) You know, we we really did this with meaning and with joy and not just to indulge ourselves, but to try and really enlighten people and talk about things that matter relatively because it's sports and I don't know how much any of it matters but I mean like we we had we called Charlie Rosen on the phone and talked to him about Phil Jackson and the Knicks you know what I mean and and held him accountable like this podcast like even if you like the podcast alone how it evolved if you go back I listened today because I have too much time on my hands not having a job um and listen to the first couple episodes and then it didn't really hit till the CJ Pro Sizes and American Hero <laughs> episode that we found out like, hey, we're not those type of podcasters. We're more not just goofy, but we're just fun and we like to have fun. But then we also talked a lot of societal issues. Like we did a ton of that. And it's not because we were doing it because we were just like, hey, we want to be those guys. We wanna that's how we're gonna get attention, but because we care about work and we care about people and um, None of I this is ever for attention. <laughs> no, no, it never was. I've never written anything. Like, yeah, I hope people read my work, but I was never like, I'm writing this so specifically people care about me. Or when we were talking about stuff, it was never like, I hope they leave that podcast where Joe and Jerry talked about systematic racism going, Joe's a smart guy. Do you know what I mean? I was just hoping right. left going, oh, that's insightful or that gives me extra things to think about. Yeah, for sure. And again, look, we're getting to the point where we're kind of making ourselves a little bit more important than maybe we are. I have, Jared, I have like 600 followers on Twitter. (laughs) Dude, you're way up. I'm afraid you're going to catch me one of these days and then I'm going to have no value to the world. How come I keep getting followers the more times I get laid off? Like when I was steady working, I was at like 600 followers in August. I've been laid off twice since then. I have like 300 more followers. I, too, got a little bit of a bump last week when I was making my announcement about getting fired. It's, but it's, like, not, it's not only getting more followers. Like I got more famous people following me. Like, famous writers. Like, big-time writers all of a sudden start following me as I got laid off. Maybe they appreciate the struggle. I don't know. Well, la-di-da. Must be nice to get laid off and become more popular. Yeah, I, except it's not going to matter when I go take this other job and offer. No, it's not going to matter. But, look, we all got to do what we have to do, and I kind of feel like that's a... Solid way to wrap up our take on the industry. Look, reinventing yourself is important. Being good at what you do is important. Liking what you do is important. So if you don't have any of those things going for you, 
it's going to be a long ride, guys. Um, but look, we're always here to have these conversations. I remember when we heard Josh Everly and uh, Ty Windish have the the Twitter conversation and the hive mind conversation. It kind of changed the way we wanted to approach this stuff. I mean, look, we've had plenty of writers on the show who we've talked about their process and how things have gone. When we had uh, Jake Fisher on, when we did the NBA draft episode a couple years ago, he was talking about his process. Mirren Fader, who's just like the best, and she's blown up since we had her on the podcast over the summer. I think you this say is, we made her. This is us. This is not her. This she's is the, the best. Mirren Fader's a star. Yeah, she's she's just a rock star. So follow other writers too. If you're a writer trying to get into the game, follow other writers. Pick their brains. Not to say us, we're old curmudgeons, but like yes, you don't want to you don't want to know how to talk about lobsters, unicorns, <clears throat> and the club state pool cleaners. Hey man, we wrote about Grinnell College and Jack Taylor, and we milked that bad boy for like four columns. I probably really did. Probably we wound up column. getting. We probably got six figured clicks on those, and we didn't get paid anywhere near what we should have got paid for it. But uh. Before we wrap that, Joe, what do you think is the dumbest thing we ever did on this show? Oh, there's a lot of it. Um, so listen, I, I, I like I, Josh, but I'm gonna say the Tom Cruise concept episode. Yeah. Oh, that was that was bad. That that was bad. Like, and it was like, listen, we all thought it would be great to do the Tom Cruise episodic movies. <laughs> and, and ra- I don't know what did we do. Rank them, or do we just say yay or nay? I forget what we did. We recasted them. Oh, we recasted them. Yeah, it sounds great. It's like, I'm laughing now thinking about how funny it is. Uh, except it wasn't at all. <laughs> I'm very glad we didn't have the stats for that episode. I mean, look, I'm sure Josh brings listeners because he's popular and well-liked by Twitter. Um, but yeah, that, that probably wasn't his fault. It was just great theory, horrible in practice. I'm very surprised that you said that. The answer is a very clear number one dumbest thing we ever did, and that was take advice from my dad that we should debate more. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. We did the whole embrace debate segments. We did. We did. We did the takeoffs. We did the Joe versus Jared, which I think we wound up agreeing on like all of them. I don't. I don't even remember them. I just feel like we argued about the Indiana Pacers one time, and I don't know why we would do that. Well, tell tell the listeners they need context other than me and you knowing your dad said something once. I mean, my dad used to listen to the show like a good, you know, parent would, a supportive parent. Even though you'd probably be mortified if your parent listens to you or follows you on Twitter or comments on your Facebook posts or does whatever you young people do. And uh, my dad was listening to the show, an avid listener, and he was like, I like your show. You guys just agree too much. You got to argue more. That's what's going to make the show better. It's like he doesn't know First Take exists and that it's the most awful thing in the world. And, uh, you know, and I was we took his vice. We literally took his vice and tried, we created a whole segment called Imperate. What did we call it? Joe versus Jared. Joe versus Not Jared. that creative. Not that creative at all. Kind of had a spy versus spy feel to it, but not and, fun. And, and we agreed anyway. Yeah, yeah, we because this is what we do. We hedge. Neither of us has strong points unless it's about racism. And we were like, yeah, I see your point. That's actually a really good point. Or we'd be like, that's stupid. And the other person would be like, you're right. That is stupid. What's, um, your, what's your favorite memory? Uh, hmm. It's, I don't know. I got to think about it. Do you have one off the top of your head? I have two. Yes. Um, obviously the Jamil Warney episode. Um, and congratulations to him for being in the NBA. Um, the other was actually is actually the Mirren Fader episode for multiple reasons. Um, one, she's great. Two, she was great on the episode. But the the question, the absurd question, if you'd rather die drowning or in a fire, um, and the re- like, the, the the response, the shock and awe of it all, where it was just kind of nothing but horribleness, like 
everybody like there was no good answer I, I felt like that was really she awkward. didn't realize she did not know like Mirren's cool she follows us both on Twitter look I wouldn't be surprised if like some of you who are like no I'm so sad the pod's ending have never listened to the podcast it's okay it's very much a Twitter thing to do the blind retweet the blind this is great you have to read this you have to listen to this we all do it it's fine I get it I don't think Mirren knew what she was getting into and no. We had a very respectful conversation and we really tried to big up her as a writer and talk about, you know, a lot of the work that she's done because again, this is this is a journalist and I'm not gonna say necessarily doing important work, but doing deep research and I don't wanna sound old. I don't know if it's a generational thing. I'd imagine young people enjoy reading too, but you know, we grew up with more long form columns and I think it's kind of just a changing of the industry that People just, I don't know if they don't have the attention span, if writers feel like, you know, putting in a thousand words in a column is better, but Mirren, like, does research. She flies out places and talks to 20 to 30 to 40 people to really learn more about the subject. She went to Lithuania for a Ball family story. Lithuania. Right. So she's great. And then we asked her how she would prefer to die, which was bad. <laughs> My favorite absurd question. We did, we did a lot of wrestling stuff, a lot of TV stuff. Yes. My favorite absurd question was asking which professional wrestler, professional wrestler you would want to get a spinoff movie about their character. <laughs> that's definitely that's still my all time favorite. Just because I imagine the life of Val Venus, porn star, like Boogie Nights starring this Val Venus, wretched, terrible person. Um, but I don't know. There's a lot of things. You know, I, I brought up Charlie Rosen. I can't say I enjoyed taking him to task, but, like, I kind of enjoyed yelling at Charlie Rosen. A but he little. was also a good sport. Like, he took it. Like, he wasn't competitive. Well, he wanted to yell at us, too, and be like, no, you guys are wrong. All you youngs think Phil's doing a bad job. He's actually doing a great job. It's all Carmelo's fault. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, listen, look at where Carmelo's at now. Maybe he wasn't wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it was a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Um, I don't know. Thinking about the, other... the favorite part about the Charlie Rosen thing was he was on the landline. Yeah. <laughs> we really had to call his, like, I'm not trying to bash Charlie Rosen. No, here. no. Because the he one was a person who, who takes the old off of us, I, he was a really great sport. I can't believe he did the show with us. It was great. Um, we got him. We remember we, found, we, we booked him, then we found out he was going on Mike and Mike, and then he agreed to come on the night before, so we had him before he went on Mike and Mike. Yeah, yeah, we, we jumped everybody. We got Charlie Rosen early, which was great. Uh, having Matt Moron was also really special, not because of, like, the great NBA analysis that he brought, but because he wanted to do our weird shit, too, and talk about death oh, and talk so about good. philosophy. And, uh, you know, for Matt, who's, again, like, probably the godfather of NBA Twitter, to have somebody like that get our brand and want to talk about our stuff, like, that that was cool. And... Look, that the full circle, like that's really the coolest thing about being in this industry is making the connections you make. I, I've made this comment before. I'm kind of a little less self-conscious, I think, than most are about putting out an article and wondering what people are going to think, putting out a podcast and worrying somebody's going to be like, you hack, I can't believe you said this. I was very wrong. I wrote a column comparing Trey Burke to Jimmer Fredette. Trey Burke's been a relatively good Nick, I guess, if you don't count that they've lost, you know, all 25 games he's played in. Um, but I, I own it. I know how to own my shortcomings as a writer and my takes. And I think a lot of people kind of are, are relatively self-conscious about those things. It doesn't bother me as much. So I do enjoy being able to make connections and meet new people and offer them advice and take advice back from them in this community. And that's probably the thing I'd miss the most if I wasn't involved in it. And this is where I'm at. This is my crossroads of I'm going to do the pod with Joe. I would love to do more radio hits. 
uh, NBA uh, Sirius XM NBA station had me on over the fall, hoping to get another call back from them. We'll see if, <laughs> if it ever happens. But it's just it's cool to make connections. And that's what I would tell people is just be open minded, be an approachable person. Don't feel like you can't reach out to other people. Worst case scenario, somebody won't want to talk to you and uh, and you'll get over it. Yeah. Um, real quick, Zach Lowe was on Matt Moore's uh, Spread the Floor podcast today. Um, it was phenomenal. It's everything I wish our podcast could be. <laughs> yeah, minus two brilliant people. Right. But I, that's what I'm saying. Like, when we, you were talking before about how, how hard it is in this industry, I do think our podcast, this one aside, because this one's not really, it's more it's like we're just like venting at this point. Um, our actual podcast, I do think they're good. That podcast, those guys are so great. And you should, if you want to be in this industry, those are the guys you should aspire to be like. Matt Matt Moore, who's super underrated, like he gets taken for granted for because he's on Twitter all the time and he interacts. I don't think people appreciate how his mind works. Like he was talking to Zach Lowe today, and they're you know they talk basketball and then they talk writing and then they talk basketball again. And then Matt said something. I'm a paraphrase here and not say it as well as he did. What he's saying, he thinks in the NBA there's artists and there's scientists. He's like Dame Lillard's a scientist. You could put him on any team anywhere in the world. He's going to be Dame Lillard. Uh, Jokic is a artist. He's going to conform and change who he is depending on his situation, who he plays around. And like it's that metaphor, that analogy that made me go, yep, that's why we're he, he's where he's at, and this is why I'm about to run out of the industry. <laughs> well said. Shout out to Matt Moore. Shout out to Zach Lowe, who's just obviously the best. We don't need to promote those guys. It's the guys at FanRag who aren't going to be at FanRag again after tomorrow who you really should be trying to follow their work, read some of the stuff they did. Mm-hmm. Some of the, These guys are great. Like, seriously, go to fanregsports.com, go to the NBA section, look at, like, the last 50 columns that have been written, note who wrote them, follow them on Twitter. These are all superstars. I haven't been published, so that's why I'm saying 50. I'm hoping to get one last Knicks take up. We'll see if I get to it. But uh, this is a sports show. We're talking about writing. We're going to do at least one sports uh, segment here. And obviously, that's going to be Kevin Durant-related. Joe, I wasn't going to ask you to come on the podcast and not produce new segment music, so let's hit that and talk about your boy, KD. Mario, hit the music. Hey, blogger boys. It's Kevin Durant. While you're in your mother's basement staring at spreadsheets, data, and analytics, I live in Golden State. It's not actually a city, but fuck geography. What's geography even but a class? Sixth grade. Blogger boys, analytic dudes. I'm taking jumpers while you're looking at nudes. Your date is dumb, I don't have burner accounts. Kevin Durant's mind. Kevin Durant's mind. Kevin Durant's mind. Mario is back, baby, and better than ever. (laughs) Kevin Durant is funny, man. I stick up for Kevin Durant so freaking much. I always do. I'm done sticking up for Kevin Durant. Not because I feel personally attacked, even though I slightly do. But just he's the corniest dude in the world. Off the court, on the court, he's just an absolute megastar. We talked about this on this week's Off the Wall podcast about how he's so freaking good. He's even underrated at this point. Kevin Durant freaking goes on Bill Simmons' podcast 
which is like insufferable. I can't listen to Bill Simmons talk NBA. He gets Ryan Rosillo to come on, and I'm still like, should I listen to this? Even though <laughs> Ryan Rosillo is like arguably the greatest other than Zach Lowe. Kevin Durant goes on Bill Simmons' podcast and says he doesn't like analytics at all and goes out of his way to say, all your blog boys and your fanboys, that's going to use everything I say and create an article. Watch a basketball game. Have you thought about that? Watch a basketball game. How about you write that? I just want to say that because all these guys are going to write articles and get real mad about what I said tonight. They're going to put their emotions into it. It's not about you. Watch a basketball game. Enjoy the game. Stop worrying about me so much. You can't look at numbers first and then watch. People are lazy. They don't want to watch games. It's too long. It's too hard to watch a game. There's a bunch of coaching vultures in the game right now. It's a bad place. I mean, advanced stats only favor Kevin Durant. They make him look amazing for being such a good don't make the, point shooter. Nobody says, like, stop worrying about me. Like, nobody's going after him with the advanced stats. <laughs> yeah, this KD guy stinks. We should only judge him by his field goal percentage and his turnovers or whatever Kevin Durant wants. We're not going to do the thing where we go on the war for advanced stats or war against counting stats, whatever it is. I'm sure we've done it plenty of times. Don't need to do it right now. But why does Kevin Durant constantly feel like he needs to yell at the media and fans? What, what is this guy's problem? Um, I, well, given his history that he basically made an Oklahoma City pe- paper retract comments once, the burner account things, um, I'm gonna, it's a combination of entitlement and insecurity. Yeah. It's, my arm, it's my armchair psychology, and, <laughs> but I mean, that's what it is. I mean, you're not going out of your way to bash a bunch of people who are watching games, do you know what I mean? And just basically, like, he came really close to, like, making the 2000 joke and calling bloggers people that live in their mother's basement. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of where he was going with it. And to go out of your way to do that, and he and he used to have burner accounts, and he might still have, like, all these things point to somebody that feels like he's a little entitled, um, which he kind of should be. I mean, he's arguably the second best player in the world, and a little insecure, which I totally get, to be honest. He's just climbing the ladder to curmudgeon former athlete, like, way too soon. He's already hopefully... He's already Kevin Garnett. Is that what you're saying? No, Kevin Garnett's kind of cooler. He's already Charles Barkley, where he's like, these stats are stupid. Watch more basketball games. Even though Charles Barkley doesn't watch any basketball games, I don't think. It's just, it's such a weird thing. I don't, I don't like saying he's entitled as, you know, just an NBA player who... Look, these guys take endless shit, all right? They constantly get shit from... From player, from other players around the league, from fans, from other coaches around the league, from analysts, fake analysts, real analysts, blog boys, whoever it is. I'm like, I don't want to be the I guy. I that T-shirt though. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to be the guy who does like the just shut up and play basketball. Like it's no. not like that. You could be outspoken, talk about anything in the world. It just feels so weird to like die on this hill of people don't watch enough basketball. They just look at stats. Part of me wants to say there's got to be some validity to what he's saying because I'm sure there are a lot of people who don't actually watch the games and try to. Oh, I've seen people tweet out stuff and only to find out that like there was a box score glitch on ESPN.com. Do you know what I mean? I've seen it, so there are people like that. Like I'm not going to mention names, but somebody I follow and used to respect um, was like, "Oh, I can't believe Player X has this many points and he's playing great." And all it was was a box score glitch on ESPN. He didn't actually play the game in the game. Yeah, and that just it happens very frequently. I feel like where you know that that does happen. So I don't want to say Kevin Durant has no like basis to make these claims. It's just such a weird thing to be so focused on. And look, I mean, I didn't listen to the Bill Simmons podcast, so like I don't know if I'm pulling what Kevin Durant is saying here by commenting on something that I didn't watch, listen to, consume. I just don't. 
I don't know what question he was asked that led to this tirade. I don't know the nature of the conversation that led to it. Just like, why does Kevin Durant always have to be this guy? It's nobody else. It's no other great NBA player that makes these dumb comments. Well, they're, they're Kevin Durant. We just don't care as much because it's not Kevin Durant. I don't know. Stuff blows up pretty quickly whenever anybody speaks. I mean, Dario Saric went out of his way to say, I want to play anybody but LeBron. LeBron's the guy that scares me. And that became a pretty big soundbite. And he's just Dario Saric, our boy. I really wanted to talk Sixers with you today, but we're not going to do that. Um, I don't know. Kevin Durant's just corny. And I did. Yeah, I mean, he's corny. Listen, maybe in titles too strong of a word. But when you walk, like, if you have to go that strong with your comments. Um, and listen, here's the thing, though, like, we could look at it on the outside, and you're right. Like we could look at it on the outside, and be like, "Yeah, but the majority of people aren't like that." But he also has like millions of people that go at him all the time, so to him, it might feel like the majority of people. Yeah, and again, like I don't know if it's unfair to call him corny because I disagree with what he's saying. No, I, no, it's okay to call him corny given his history. Yeah, I. It's weird because now, like, oh, hey, reporter, meet me at the gym at this certain time. Up, oh, jump shot one thousand. He just <laughs> got here in time. I don't know if you heard me counting. I did over a thousand. It's just a weird. It's a weird thing that he always winds up being on. And I'm hedging now by doing the. I feel bad making fun of him for it. Just don't uh, hedge. Let's 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 this finally get off one actual hot take. Kevin Durant. <laughs> Kevin Durant's a cornball, and Joe's music is the best. That's that. Yeah. All right, Joe. You want to end the show and do some absurd questions? Outside questions. There he is. Carried over to our other podcast. Yeah, of course it did. So you can get the great absurd questions that you like so much by listening to the Off the Wall podcast. That's plug number three on the episode for the Off the Wall podcast. And you it's guys all listen to me on Sherman and Shepard and ESPN Southwest Florida every other Friday. Wow, you're doing bi weekly. You got that. That's a thing. Um, well, yeah. You didn't even tell me. It's not, well, it's not official. It just seems like every other Friday they ask me to be on. Now, listen, basketball season's, college basketball season's almost over. I probably will never be on again. <laughs> Although, it, uh, I, I believe they're going to have me on before the title game. I'm going to volunteer to be their WrestleMania correspondent. <laughs> wow. Cool, 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 cool. Look at those, you, man. Those, those guys, well, those guys have been very good to me, so, yeah. Shout out um, to them. Yeah, Sherman and Shepard, uh, Southwest Florida, ESPN 99.3, I believe. Um, do you want me to go first? Sure. All right, Jared. 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 Jared, my <laughs> sexy polar bear. Um, I feel like we had a bunch of running jokes that we didn't do any of them, and I'm kind of disappointed we didn't do any. Um, what cereal mascot, if you were forced, would you most like to bang? <laughs> I thought that was um, a good one. I mean... I feel like I I looked it up. I couldn't find a single female cereal. Right. So that's where I was going to go. So I feel like we have to choose an animal or a ghoul. If we, (laughs) I mean, it's all bad. Like, I don't even know what like humans there are. There's Captain Crunch and there's uh, Lucky Charms. That's pretty much it for Crackle and Pop. They're kind of humans. I guess they're elves. Ooh, they're, they are, I believe they're like shrunken people, aren't they? They're like miniatures. So maybe... Maybe that's the maybe that's the play because then it's kind of just like well that doesn't even really count it's like you no know, ants but that's weird too I guess. Well yeah, there, there's like oh. listen, I'm sure there's like a generic cereal out there. Like blueberries. No. Oh, blueberry Joe, shut the hell up! Shut the hell up! Shut the hell up! Blueberry's my answer. I think I was literally just typing in. I was just typing blueberry into Google to confirm that blueberry was a female ghoul. Um, I'm not even getting images. It's it's, it's he or she. It's a gender binary. Yeah, no, I, you, it's just he's wearing a bow tie. He's wearing a bow tie and a hat, and I don't think that's it. And not to be uh, exclusive here, I think that that's typically a uh, a male getup. 
Am I terrible? I don't know. I listen. I when I I also typed in Booberry as we were talking. That was the <laughs> first thought of maybe a female. And uh, listen, I mean, I didn't know if Booberry is still in the market, but um, then I saw the image and I'm like, eh, not really. That's probably a dude. So I think the one female uh, cereal mascot is uh, Pebbles from Fruity Pebbles. So she's yeah, but I, she's not. Uh, listen, Pebbles is also a toddler. Right. No, I wasn't saying that. Like that's the answer, guys. We found we found our answer here. We found our loophole. It's Pebbles. Um, I don't know, man. So like, can we do? So now I'm looking for all the loopholes and all the outs here. They made. Oh my gosh, they made a Rosa Parks cereal. E. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely e. Uh, Listen, they make there's a Disney... you can't you can't pick like the one cover from the Wheaties box. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can't say Serena Williams because she was on a Wheaties box. There was a Disney Princesses cereal. There was an Adams. There's an Adams Family cereal, I think, but I don't know that like Morticia was on the cover of it. Um, Morticia, fine. Oh, this is tough. Did you have? Do you have an answer? No, I just knew this would be the one that we'd both be stumped with, and it'd be the funniest to like think out loud um by the way checks at, at some point in the early 90s there is a variety of females as their mascot and oh there's barbie cereal barbie it, she's a little too elite for me there is a high school musical cereal i will definitely take zach efron if that's what's going on here oh what a what a hunk i thought for a second you're gonna make a pedophile joke i'm like jared no this isn't how we're going out I'm sure that they were all old enough. I don't want to do this. You're right. Uh, Mary Lou Retton on Wheaties, not really. No, can't do that. Right, can't do that. Uh, man. Listen, I'm, I've been scrolling for a solid three minutes here on Google Images, and I cannot find a... Uh... Listen, man, you know what? I want to live forever. Give me Count Chocula. I was kind of trending in that direction also, because not even because I want to live forever. I mean, that's awfully presumptuous of you to think... Count Chocula's going to be like, oh, this is good. i got to keep this guy forever. <laughs> but just because I feel like I feel like vampires are kind of freaks. You know what I mean? Like True Blood, I feel like they have a lot of sex in that interview with the vampire. I so feel like, saying, were... like at least it'll be good? Is that what you're saying? That is kind of... Look, it's either that or like a tiger or a rooster or a rabbit. You know what I mean? Like the options the options aren't good here. There's just well, not a good option. Is, is the Trix rabbit binary or is that definitely a man? Does that really matter, Joe? At this point, if you're... Ha- uh, we might be offending people if we talk about bestiality preferences here. I this don't want to offend anybody, but if you're at the we point love bunnies and tigers and the same. Captain right. Crunch is just definite no for me. That's all I know. But he's also a captain. So with your assumption that the vampire will lead to immortality, maybe you're going to live a captain life if you are with a captain. Well, the Lucky Charms guy does that mean I'm going to be rich? I mean, yeah, probably. Again, this is assuming that it goes well. It depends what version, because there's a Lucky Charms guy that came from the Lucky Charms guy we know today, and he is stereotypically bad. I'm looking at it now, and it is actually offensive. <laughs> it's not going to be the Honey Nut Cheerios bee, I'll tell you that much. No, I'm allergic to bees. I think I pretended I was allergic to bees when I was a kid. I'm not sure I actually was. <laughs> um... Listen, Count Chocula only has one tooth. <laughs> so this is starting to become more complicated. <laughs> Wait, do you prefer more teeth or less teeth for your cereal vampire? Sure I'm actually not sure now. Um, I, I thought you were going into this this all the time. I found a I found a very flattering picture of Booberry here. Very flat. I'm going I'm going Booberry. 
All right, you could have your male ghost. Uh, my final answer, how weird that we're going to go from the same family of cereal if you go Booberry and I go Count Chocula. Because that, that maybe will be related True. in some way. It's definitely just, listen, I fu- I'll have to send it to you later. It's a flattering picture of Booberry. You definitely do not have to send it to me. Hannah Montana cereal, that's not good. She's too young. This is weird. This is bad, Joe. This is bad. I thinking out thinking out loud is not good. That's our advice for all of the young writers out there who one day want to do absurd questions on their podcast. <laughs> right, right. Um, these always sound th- better in theory when you're like, yeah, we'll just do them off the top of our head. You still well, have your absurd questions. I do. So yeah, I guess my answer is going to be Count Chocula. I'm glad that our, we had the same headspace when we were doing our absurd questions. My question for you is FMK. You know what that stands for? Uh, smell. FMK, FMK, FMK. I don't really want to be overly vulgar and use the F word on the last show that we're going to do, so. Family makes lobsters. Lobsters. That's what K stands for, you buffoon. Bang, marry, or kill the different Batman actors, Joseph. Whoa! Um, marry Michael Keaton. I agree. Um. Why? He, one, he's the best Batman. Two, how? He's he's Michael Keaton, man. I like Michael Keaton. I like Michael Keaton and everything he's ever done. I agree with you. I am totally with you. Love Michael Keaton. Made a multiplicity reference today. Big Michael Keaton fan. Not sure. Not sure. He's the best Batman ever, though. Uh, well, I really like the the first the first two Batmans he was in. Um, it was also a different time. Yeah, yeah. I I get it that like the the trilogy, the Christopher Nolan trilogy, is considered the best. I get it. Yeah, we lived like, in we lived in a world where Tim Burton made spooky, wacky movies. Right. Um, kill, oh, man. I actually like Val Kilmer, but I'm gonna have to kill him. Um, Val I, Kilmer. I think Val is it Val Kilmer like uh, Terminal? Kill Adam West all over again or no? Levitarcho already did it. Uh, yes, you can. Okay, so I, I well then good, that's safe. Then I don't feel so bad about killing Adam West. Um, just boink. Um, well, I guess I guess if we're gonna answer these together, I, I'll give my kill, and it's Affleck because just didn't love him as a Batman. Don't really love him as an anything. You can get rid of Ben Affleck. Uh, shout out to Val Kilmer, who's uh, healing of cancer, doing okay right now. I hope he is going to be okay long term. I think this was I like it. This is I like Val Kilmer too. What's your favorite Val Kilmer movie? Uh, the one I forget the name of it with Robert Downey Jr., where he plays a detective, a private eye, and Robert Downey Jr. is an escaped convict who's trying to pretend he's an actor. I think it's called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Um, There's only one answer to that question, and it's Willow. Willow is the answer. No, Willow is not the. Well, listen, Val Kilmer is in a ton of good movies. Um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is the name of the movie. Yes, I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's I first time I ever saw it. I was expect this was at when Val Kilmer was falling off the map as a A list star, so I wasn't expecting much. And it was he was phenomenal. Robert Downey Jr. was phenomenal. It was a really good movie. Never saw it. Still sticking with my answer that it's Willow. Uh, close second. I never saw the Saint. I'm probably okay with that. Um, Batman Forever probably his worst movie. Close to, me, close second. <laughs> he's been killing me when he's been doing that lately. All right, Joe, who are we effing for Batman's? There's one answer. There's obviously one answer. 
We're going to say it on three. We're going to say it on three. One, two, three. Clooney. George Clooney, yeah. Yep, great. <laughs> duh, because duh. Obviously, that's it. Listen, man, he's... Listen, he's what? However old he is now? He looks better now than I have ever looked in my life. At the peak of my life, George Clooney now, at what like 60-whatever, looks 3,000 times better than me. You know what's insane? When I first learned of George Clooney, like in the ER 90s era, I was like, this dude looks like he's like 50 already. He's 56 right now. So he must have been like 30-something looking 50. God bless that guy, man. Started his career on Roseanne, oddly enough. Oh, congratulations. Nope, not going to do that because it's the best show ever. It got the highest ratings. You could ask anybody. I, wa- I actually watched it. It was, they portrayed her. Like, the big thing was, oh my God, she's playing a Trump. We are not doing this. We're not she, doing this. She, she, not giving her. this any country. I'm just saying, I think people that would have watched it would have realized they played her as the villain. Mm, plot twist or something. I don't care. Not giving them any country. Yeah. So, so wait, so you're going to kill Val Kilmer? No, 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 Affleck. Oh, yeah, Ben. Ben, listen, man, he did a great job directing some movies, and then you hear some stuff about him outside of the real world, and you're like, man, Ben, I wanted to like you. His back tattoo is pretty terrible also. Yes. And a dragon. He seems to, you know, be a serial cheater and uh, maybe not a great person. Not a great dude. So, yeah, he can go. We're both marrying Michael Keaton because Mr. Mom, everything else he's done, just oh, a great. Everything. Well, Love Michael Keaton. Couldn't love Michael Keaton more. Like, what? Okay. Low-key best Michael Keaton role. Not even movie. Low-key best Michael Keaton role. The other guys, for me. The other guys. Where he plays the detect- the boss of the detectives. Sergeant, lieutenant, whatever. I don't know. Amazing. So when he's... When he's... Oh, he's not the main guy in Spotlight. He's really good in Spotlight. Um... Oh, man, this is a tough one. Uh, Blindsided, which was not a popular movie, um, was he was stellar in. I forget who else is in that movie. It's another actress that's kind of famous. Uh, Michelle Monaghan? Yeah, Monaghan. Is that who you're saying? Whatever. That movie is actually really good. Got it. I have not seen it. Beetlejuice is one of the greatest movies ever. Can't take that away from him. Jack Frost. Jack Frost is not a great movie, but um, no, no, no. Kids of a certain age would really like Jack Frost. I am sure they would. Great Batman. I go bail over him as my Batman, and uh, so we're marrying him, and we're uh, boinking, as the kids like to say. So George, different people. I'm killing somebody that's already dead because I'm a good person. Yep. And you're killing Ben Affleck because you just want to murder his back tattoo. Something like that. Something along those lines. I think that that's the best wacky way that we can wrap up this show by saying you want to kill somebody's back tattoo. Um, Barry, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) Joe, thank you so much for doing this with me. This felt cathartic. And again, I want to apologize because I really don't like to do the self-indulgent thing, especially not with like my career, my writing, this stuff that we do. But you've been my partner through all of this. You mentioned earlier how you and I wrote at all these sites together. Aside from the first one that we did, we did all of those sites together because of you, because I joined you, because oh. you you went you went head first in and you were like, yeah, it's okay, you should come with. And I was like, well, if you ask your editor and they say yes, it was very much like I ask your mom if I could come over and hang out with you when we're kids type of thing. And instead of you being like, Jared wants to know if he could come over, you were like, oh, Jared's a great guy. I would love to have him over here. And all the editors were like, yeah, fine, we'll take him. Um, but thank you to it's you. Out so far. So like in 20 years when we keep failing upwards. <laughs> thank, thank you to you for that. Uh, in all seriousness, you mentioned it earlier. Thanks to Tommy Stokey for really getting us all involved in FanRag a couple years ago. 
Thanks to Jamie Eisner for all that he's done also. Thanks to Jason Pat. Endless thanks to Jason Pat for being a wonderful editor. Same for Kelly Scaletta. Came from same for Matt Zemick. Great editors, great people to work with. Um Fanrick, I had a great time with you, Joe. I could speak for you. You had a great run too. None of this is a bitter divorce, um, at least not on my end. Hopefully you guys will change your minds and want more written content and reach out and bring the whole band back together again and uh yeah, all that, but if you don't, which I don't think you will, it's understandable, <laughs> and I wish you guys nothing but the best. Thank you for giving us 132 freaking episodes of the Relatively Speaking podcast before canceling us. Might bring it back somewhere else, not sure, but for the time being, make sure you're listening to the Off the Wall podcast on the Nick's Wall channel. Follow me on Twitter at Jamin's Hoops. Joe, tell the good people where they could find you. On Twitter at Joseph Nardone, N-A-R-D-O-N-E. Woot, woot. Long range, I've been killing on the blacktop hey. AI cross, sunning rappers like a backdrop nice Clock ticking, I'm the one, take the last shot Couple hey. chairs for him, got your shorty like a mascot you, Never ask, I'm just feeling what that ass got yeah. These half nuts at my neck like an ascot Uh, hundred grand up in my dash Hot with more K's than Dash got You living in a glass box, I'm on point Steve Nash Fox, destroy your track like I'm Hancock Now I'm pulling tops down like a ragtop